sitting down with Craig Button of TSN. Craig, thank you so much for joining me. This is very exciting because whenever it's a draft, I know who I can reach <laughs> out to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love doing I love spending time with you, Amanda. You do great uh, work with the uh, New Jersey Devils. Did you see my tweet on this Tuesday morning? I did. I did. <laughs> I don't know if you saw my response, but even I, I said, I wish I had that handwriting. <laughs> You do. You do have that. Type. I mean, it's funny. I mean, not only is your attention to detail, but your presentation of that detail is impeccable. So, I mean, thank it's just you. when I saw it, I said, oh, God, this is a man. <laughs> well, regard. thank so, you. I know. It's always funny, my pleasure to join you. It's a funny thing when you're, you know, I, I hope I'm also known for my hockey knowledge and not just. Oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> That's why I wanted to say that, like, it's not just your attention to detail. It's how you present that detail. Thank you I, I so much. I want to make that very, very clear. I mean, <laughs> a lot of people can write nicely and they they don't have attention to the detail about which they're writing. So you, you don't fall into that category. <laughs> so we're getting ready for the draft coming up. And it's an interesting one for New Jersey because there's no first round pick right now. And that I should put right now because you never know what happens on the draft floor. But I was wondering, is this the type of draft with the type of talent that's there one where you really try and make that added effort to get a first round pick? Well, I, what I feel is, is that drafts present an opportunity for the future. And mm -hmm. if we look back just quickly at the, at the New Jersey Devils future, you know, when you're picking number one, when you're picking in the top five, top 10, you know, that future is more immediate and, and it might not be present day, but you're looking at a shorter time frame. You know, now you're looking at some players, you, specifically as it relates to the New Jersey Devils, that are considering where their team is at, a really good team. These young players have been allowed to grow and develop and come into their own. So now you, you, you're looking at, okay, where are there opportunities for us to potentially, you know, try to get into the first round again? You know, trading a first-round pick, Muka Madulin, uh, for Timo Meyer was significant. And, you know, depending on – what Tommy and, and, the, and the Devils do with respect to uh, Timo Meyer trying to get him signed long-term. You know, th th that, that's the immediacy of that. And if you don't draft Muka Madulin, you, you, you don't get an opportunity to get players like Timo Meyer. But now you can go back in and look and say, okay, what opportunities are presented to us? Is there an opportunity for us to get in them? Because teams are always going to – they've gone through the scouting process. They've gone through the, the, the entire year evaluating players. And now when you look at it, you're saying, okay, is there an opportunity for us to, to, to strike? Is there an opportunity for us to get players that we really like? I mean, how many times have you heard this? Probably as much as I've heard it. We can't believe that player was there when we picked. Yep. That's because you rate players differently and you rate players. Certainly the Devils are going to look at opportunities uh, where they can select a player that they really like. And if it means trying to get into the first round or trying to move up, I mean, they have the Cal I believe they have the Calgary Flames. Uh, yeah, in the second pick, round, which is a mid third round pick, right? You, yeah. you know, and so, and then they have their own second. So, you know, is there an opportunity to try to get a player you really like that can fit into your timeline? Maybe, obviously, not immediately. I don't think, but somewhere down the road. So, like, good managers and Tommy certainly qualifies are always looking at opportunities for. How do you improve your team today? How do you improve your team tomorrow? And how do you improve your team in, in a few years down the road? And I think that this year's draft where the Devils find themselves presents that opportunity down the road. What is maybe unique or exciting about this draft class? 
you know, I, I was saying to somebody the other day, in 2012, eight of the first 10 picks were defensemen. And, you know, this this draft is is like in the first 20, it's, it's mostly forwards and really right. good forwards. What I would say, top two line offensive forwards, really good forwards in this draft. Obviously, Bedard and Fantilli and Mishkoff and Carlson and Will Smith. I mean, I mean, there's a there's kind of a, a group there that kind of stands alone. Then that next group of I don't know if it's 10, 12, 15 forwards. They're all really good. They're all going to be rated differently. I know I was Bob McKenzie and me were talking, and I, I think we have a pretty good feel about who 18, 19, 20 of the first 22, 23 picks are going to be. We don't know what order it's going to be, but we're pretty <laughs> yep. confident about knowing who the players are that are going to fall into that group. So I think forward heavy. I think it'd be like you would say, you know, there's for me, there's four defensemen that that, that I think you could clearly put into that into that group of 25. The, mm-hmm. the two Swedish kids, uh, Sandin Pelika, Relander, then the Austrian kid Reinbacher, and then the the Russian Simishev. And Simishev might be a little bit similar to Muka Madulin in terms of big, excellent skater. I don't think he has the same type of offensive ability that Shakir had or has. Mm-hmm. But that I I think those four for me those four defenders have kind of in in my view separated themselves from the rest of the pack of, of defenders. And so along with the forwards, I think that that's how it falls out. So if you're looking for a defenseman and, and, and a defenseman that you feel is really good, and I think those guys are good, you can see you can see them rapidly go. Somebody yeah. goes, we need them. And, and maybe that's where you see trades. Oh, we need mm-hmm. a defenseman. Somebody's going, well, we got a group of four forwards here. Why don't we get an extra pick? We'll trade back. We know we're going to get one of these guys. Team wants right. a defenseman. I think that's where you might see some movement. So we know, I mean, facts are facts. Connor Bedard will go first. <laughs> I don't think there's any debate whatsoever about that one. So we can hop right over that. But does it get interesting when it gets to number two? Obviously, uh, Fantilli is really up there in terms of what people are saying. Does it get interesting there? And do you see anyone else but Fantilli going to? Uh, I could make a case for Meechkoff going to. I could. Okay. Like, and that mm-hmm. that doesn't mean I see him going to, but I could make yep. a case for him going to. I could make a case for Leo Carlson or Will Smith going to. Like, I don't think there's a huge separation, you know, amongst those five players that I just named. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think Anaheim at two. Like, like I really like Sandine Pelican. I really like Lelander, but they have such a uh, a group of defensemen in Anaheim. You I mean in the CHL this year? They had the best defensemen in each of the Western Hockey League, Ontario Hockey yeah. League, and Quebec League this year. So that's pretty, pretty nice good. when you're an organized <laughs> yeah, Not bad, right? First time that's ever happened. So I don't see them. So, you know, I could make a case for any one of those other four forwards to go there. But then you start to look, okay, timelines, right? Like, you know, they have Zegris. They have McTavish. They have Ryan Strom up the middle of the ice. What would a winger work better? You know, you wait for each car for three years. Will Smith, to me, is two years away. Fantilli, I think he can play next year. I think Carlson's a year away. You're weighing all these things together. Like, what the what, what speed? I mean, you know how fast the game is, Amanda. You we watch it now. It's only getting faster. Fantilli's yeah. a, an outstanding skater. And you start to think about his ability to impact the game from a speed point of view. And that's the separator for me, too. It's Fantilli's speed. And there's two facts. The readiness like, I think he could play in the NHL next year. Yeah. You watch how Anaheim integrated 
Drysdale, they integrated McTavish, you know, and, and, and I think they can do a similar thing with Fantilli. But I think he can play in the NHL from a physical point of view, maturity point of view, and that speed is, is a separator. I mean, it's disruptive and, and, and it's impactful. So it's great to say I could make a case for other players, and I could. And I, what, really what I'm doing here is just allowing for it to happen. But if I was the Anaheim Ducks, you know, I think that I would be looking right at Adam Fantilli and, you know, trying to understand what do we need to do to help him be at his very best from the outset. So one of the things I find really interesting, you know, just bringing it back to New Jersey, is if you look at the current roster, yes, of course, they had two first overall picks in the last couple of years, but they've really built most of their team through their draft picks, right? Whether it's waiting a few years for Michael McLeod or Nathan Bastian at all different levels in the lineup. We're talking about potentially Simon Nemich coming up. What can other teams learn about the way New Jersey has built their team with so many of their own draft picks and being patient with those picks? Well, I, well, I, I, I think you, I think the key word you just used was patient. You know, understanding your timeline, you know, you, you, you draft Jack Hughes, obviously the physical maturity was going to come, but you needed to be patient as, as it developed. You can't fast forward physical maturity. You have to let it unfold. And and so we, we talk about uh, about Jack and we talk about Nico, right? But Jesper Brad, a smaller player, just signed a long-term contract, right? Patient with him. Dawson Mercer, who was a little bit more ready to come in and perform. I mean, you watch what he's doing. Mikey, Michael McLeod, a really good down-the-lineup type forward. So not every first-round draft pick is going to be uh, a difference maker like Jack Hughes or somebody like Luke Hughes or somebody like Seaman Nemich. But you need players that can play in different parts of your lineup. And, you know, people ask me about, you know, the model of the of the Vegas Gold Knights, okay? The model of the Vegas Gold Knights is like the model of the Colorado Avalanche, which is like the model of the Tampa Bay Lightning, which is like the model of the St. Louis Blues, <laughs> like the model of the Washington Capitals. Like, like it's no different. You, you, you need good goaltending, really good blue line, and real depth in your forward group. And, and, and that's exactly what the uh, New Jersey Devils are doing. You know, you add Andre Palat. You're able to trade for Timo Meyer. Right, you start to look at some of the other players that are that are ready to that have been allowed to incubate. You talk about Nate Bastian, like you know, a really good productive player. But you know, that allows Alexander Holtz to try to find his way. I mean, he's a high pick. There might be an urgency to try to get him in there sooner rather than later. And I think that what you look at is, is how you're building out that team to be really competitive. Like a lot of teams have good look at, and I'm not trying to pick on any team here. The Edmonton Oilers had the first overall pick in three straight years. It yeah. took them a long, and then then obviously McDavid in 2050, but it took them a long time to find their way. So mm-hmm. building it out, understanding how you're building it out, when you're going to make moves, who you're going to trade. Like I mean, they, they drafted Ty Smith high. They traded him for John Marino. Like that, that doesn't mean that you made a good solid pick in Ty Smith and then you recognize, wait a sec, we need this player now. And I think those types of moves become really significant for becoming a really good team in this league and a Stanley Cup contender. And I don't think there's any question that the Devils are well on the path on a solid footing as a Stanley Cup contender. I, this year's no, no mirage. This is a really good team that's, that, that I think is going to continue. 
be built along the lines of the previous Stanley Cup winners and contenders. Were you surprised last year when Shimon Nemec went second? I know, you know, he maybe wasn't on a lot of people's radars necessarily, but he's really turned into spending the whole year in Utica, which I think was fantastic for a player like him coming over for Europe, accepting to play in the AHL because not everybody is and really marinating, as you said. What are your sort of thoughts on who he can become and where he was drafted? It didn't surprise me one bit. You know, you can look at the players that were available, and, and here's what ended up happening. They had Jack. They had Nico. They didn't need another center. Didn't need another center. Yeah. You got to be careful with that. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. I just think – I just think – Yeah. So when you're looking at, at, at where their team and how they were trying to build out their team, again, that goes to, to Tom and, and the management group saying – no, we need and, and Simone is a really good player. He, he's effective. He's smart. He knows how to he knows how to manage the game. And you know, when you have a player at such a young age that was playing on the Slovakia national team, right? I mean, he was playing up levels, up levels, yep. up levels. And certainly there could have been in, in previous years, maybe you push him into the NHL. But him going and playing uh, in the American Hockey League and really finding his way in pro hockey, smaller rink. Quick, you have to be quick in your decision making. You know, those are the things that, to me, really help a player progress. Mm-hmm. And so, I wasn't surprised. I mean, Samuel was a top-notch uh, yeah. defenseman going into the draft. But you look at your situation, and you, you know, people say this all the time, and, and and we all hear it: best player available. Well, it's not. If it was just about best player available, everybody would just go, okay, next player, next player, next player. <laughs> yeah. You just keep going down, right? It's not like that. It's like, who? how do you rate the next best player available for your situation and your team? And right. that's, and, and that, so, you know, you look at Simon and, 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 you know, it's coming off of drafting Luke Hughes. You know, you know, you have some really good players on your team already. You've signed Dougie Hamilton long-term, right? So if you're going to slide, it's not just, okay, how do we evaluate the talent? And then how do, how do we see him fitting into our lineup? You know, when you have Dougie Hamilton on your team, now you have John Marino, like, can you imagine Simon Nemec coming in and being a third-pair defense? Like, that just eases the burden on He doesn't have to be put in those – it eases the pressure on, on Lindy Ruff. He doesn't have to go out there, you know, feeling uneasy about putting a kid out there that might not be ready. So everything you're doing is how does it fit? What does it mean? Who do we have to support them? And so I think for, for Simon and, and, and Simon and same with uh, Luke, those are nice scenarios – to have your team be put in, but you don't just find yourself there. The management puts you there. And that's yes. just another, just another compliment to Tom Fitzgerald and his group. Tommy so knows have, what the hell he's doing. Yeah, I was just gonna <laughs> I, I was gonna say that, you know, for a first time general manager, but someone who has had so much experience in the past, whether it was working with Ray, Pittsburgh, here, he really seems meticulous and he really leans on a lot of people. And I think that that just makes him a better general manager. You're not going to get an argument from me. <laughs> so, 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 so Tommy was a first round pick, right? Yeah. And so you draft a first round pick, and whatever the whatever the expectations are, Tom had a really good NHL career. He he was what he was, and he he was really good at what he was. And then you end up, you know, going through that from your own experiences as a player, and he ended up in some really good spots. You know, you go back and look at his playing days. 
and you look at where he's at and, you know, the, the Stanley Cup team in Florida in, in, yep. in 1996. I mean, that was a, that was a, a, an expansion team that went to the Stanley Cup final. Not much different than what Vegas did in, in, their, mm-hmm. in their inaugural year. And so Tommy's been part of good teams. And, you know, I think we talked about teams functioning well. How do teams function well? They, they, they function well because of clear direction, number one. They function well because you put players in the right positions to play to their capabilities. So as player, and Tommy had a lot of games in the NHL, they talked about, you know, playing in Nashville, playing in Florida. I mean, he played for Roger Nielsen. He was around David Poyle. He was with a Stanley Cup winning team in management in Pittsburgh. And you see, and you take all these experiences in, and then you say, okay, I saw how it worked. And then, you know, yeah, you're a first-time general manager, but you have all these opportunities to understand how it I always say this to players that when you're moving from playing to not, I said, you know what a good team looks like. You know what it yeah. smells like. You know what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And conversely, you know when a team isn't functioning. And those are the benefits of, of experience. And Tommy right. has them and he has them. And, and both the, the good and, and, and some that, you know, weren't ideal. But that's mm-hmm. how you form. And then, he, he, like, you never have to worry about Tom doubting himself. Like, it doesn't mean that you don't have doubts, but he doesn't doubt himself. And here's how we're going to proceed. And here's how we're going to go about it. And, you know, play, managers don't want to trade young players or first round draft picks because they know how hard the scouting staff has worked. But when you have a group that works well together and he respects them and values them and everybody, you understand, hey, this is what we got to do for our team. Because ultimately it starts with the direction of the team. And mm-hmm. that's that to me is what Tommy has done an exceptional job of. So what's so interesting about what you're saying and sort of relaying it back to the draft is when Luke was drafted fourth overall, Luke Hughes, you know, a lot of people maybe on the outside or a lot of, you know, commentaries are, oh, it's just because it's Jack's brother. They wanted to appease Jack by picking his brother. But Tom Fitzgerald is not that type of general manager or person. I know I can see you laughing. Other people can't see you laughing. But that's because of everything you just said. And now Luke himself this year is, is proving it on its own. I, I, I'll, I'll share a story with you. And I was just with him in Kamloops during the Memorial Cup. But Stephen Ganey, who played in Kamloops, Bob Ganey's son, we drafted him in the third round in Dallas. And people can debate whether whether we should or whether it was the right thing. That debate's always going to go on. I mean, Bob was the general manager. But I remember sitting with Bob. And Stephen was with us. And, you know, we were very cognizant of this and mm-hmm. trying to understand what it would mean and Bob. And, and Stephen was there. And, and, and Bob said, he goes, I trust these guys with trying to do what's best for the Dallas Stars. So if I trust them, I think you have to trust that if they select you, that this is something that, okay. that, 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 that they believe in and they're going to help you be the best you can be. We can all look at the history and understand what it meant. If it was, that's true of any player, right? But I think it's the same thing. It's different. I mean, Tommy's drafting the the, the brother of a player mm-hmm. on the team, a, a frontline player. But Tommy's not doing it to appease Jack Hughes. <laughs> Tom, he's not trying to say, "Well, you know what we we have this we have this excellent player in Jack, and oh, it'll be nice to have his brother." You know what's really nice for players, and I don't care if Luke is is Jack's brother or not. What Jack wants to do is win. He's a dyed-in-the-wool competitor. He wants yep. players that can help him win. And that's what Tommy wants. So if, if you're the brother of Jack Hughes or you're not, just come in and show that you're capable of helping us win. That's Luke. And that's Tommy. That's direction. 
That's how you get to be good. And so at the end of it all, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's nice. But those are, you know what I call those? Lazy narratives. Lazy, right. uninformed narratives. And people don't understand that as a, as a scouting staff, you're trying to find the best player. You're not just trying to say, oh, isn't this nice? You know, it'll be a nice cover shot for the for the Devils game day program. No, it's not, it's not about that. Luke Luke was always a good player. And he, yeah. Just look at what Luke did at the University of Michigan. Just look yeah. at what he did. Like, what, it's because, no, Luke did that all on his own. And, and Luke is a top-notch prospect. Well, and then look what he did when he came into the NHL oh. for the first time. And we only have a couple more minutes left, but, I mean, I, I think it's worth touching on, um, especially his playoff experience coming in when, you know, there needed to be a change on the roster when the series was going on, and, man, did he come in. And a lot of credit to Lindy, too, that when Luke had a very tough game in his second game, I mean, he came out and he gave him another chance. And Luke really proved who he is. So it's all a learning process for Luke, right? Like, you know, so so Luke's coming out of, out of the NCAA with Michigan. He's been a dominant player in college hockey, dominant player. You know, if and, – and, and it's interesting because if Luke Hughes was turning pro in Toronto, they, they would have made him out to be the next Bobby Orr coming out of college, yeah, right? Like, you, know, <laughs> you know, just with the hype, right? And that, that, that's not – that's just that's just the way it is. But Luke – but I, I think – for me, a coach being able to understand where a young player is at, you know, and then understand, okay, yeah, I know he didn't have a good game. Nobody had to tell Luke that he didn't have a good game. Nobody had to tell Lindy he had to do a good game. But it wasn't about that. It was, okay, what did we learn? What do we need to do next game? And how do I make sure that he going forward is not going to be hindered by that? You know, the next player that doesn't have a bad game early in his career is going to be the first one. Right, but understanding that and being patient with it back, we're back to your word, patient. So, Lindy, in, in, in the heat of the moment, playoffs, he's sitting there going, "No, we got to be patient here. We got to be understanding." And I could, but then again, now he knows. Okay, here's where I got to put him. You spend time with the players. You spend time with the. Here's what Luke and as a young player, you're trying to show what you're capable of. They, they they're reading. They want to show, hey, I can help this team. They're they're driven by their fire to help a team now that's in the playoffs be really good. Right. And so he knows he didn't have a good game. So slow it down, be a little bit patient, develop it. Right. And, and that doesn't that tell you more about Luke and his understanding yes. of an ability to grasp. Yes. Hey, I'm not in college hockey anymore. I'm in the NHL and, and a little mistake here turns into a big mistake there. Right. You're right. So all those little details and, and Luke's a quick learner. And and, mm-hmm. and I think that that's one of the one of the big I, I think for the signs that he showed in the playoffs is is, is the promise that he showed. Listen, I don't have any doubt that Luke Hughes is going to be a front line defenseman in the National Hockey League. And I think the fact that he showed that over a short period of time, just that learning capability and grasping it, 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 it just bodes so well for the for the New Jersey Devils. But hey, Amanda, he's Jack Hughes's brother. That's yeah, brother. exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So last one from me, I have to I have to end off with the captain, Nico Heischer. We've talked a lot about him throughout the years Um, up for the Selkie this year. It was only a matter of time, was it not? And once Patrice Bergeron decides to retire, whenever that is, does Nico kind of take over that every year Selkie nominee kind of guy? 
I love you for so many reasons. <laughs> but, you know, and, and we know how great Patrice Bergeron is. So the fact that you even bring Nico into that category of player, you know, it, I, I think it's, it, it, it's so, for me, it just puts a big smile on my face. And I couldn't agree with you more. I think that Nico is exactly that type of player. He doesn't have to put up 100 points. He doesn't have to score 40 goals. His impact on the game is significant every time he steps out on the ice. That is what Patrice Bergeron has meant to the Boston Bruins. And I think that's exactly Nico's game. And I think most importantly, like Patrice, Nico has this incredible comfort. This is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. I don't need to go out there and flash and dash it and up and down. I mean, I mean, he, I mean, he, he had a very productive offensive year, and, and, and I mean, very. significant. But his impact is is all the time when he's on the ice. It's it's on defensive zone faceoffs. It's on the penalty kill. It's matching up against the other team's best players and taking advantage of the other team's best players because he is so good defensively and he can take advantage. You know, there's a difference between a player that can just shut down the other players. And then a player that can take advantage when you're playing against other that's Nico. That's what Patrice did. Like and 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 what and I use this line for for Patrice and I'll use it for Nico. He beat you up with his mind. That's a great one. That's a great one. I love that. And it's so true. And it sort of embodies exactly who he is. Craig, thank you so much for joining me. I always enjoy our conversation. So thanks again. Oh, always my pleasure. See you in Nashville.